Good morning, everybody. It's a real privilege for me to be here with you uh, again. So that shows mercy on your behalf to invite me again after last year. I'm very happy. Really, it's a real honor uh, to be here with you guys, worshiping our uh, dear God, our powerful and almighty God, the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. So please receive greetings from the church in Barranquilla. At this moment, they are also worshiping God, but I'm sure, I hope so, they are praying for, for us, uh, for the sermon. Uh, we, we are really thankful for Grace Church in Obille. Uh, you are partners with us in the gospel. You allow Pastor Brandon and Pastor Justin to be with us uh, almost one month ago. We spent one week. Uh, uh, let me tell you that they work really hard. As soon as they landed, uh, we have prepared a conference for them, so they didn't have even time just to have a break, uh, fast uh, lunch, and then go to preach. So the church was really built up. The people in our seminary was built up, so everybody was uh, just rejoicing in God, um, giving thanks to heaven for you guys, also your generosity for supporting us financially. That's allow us to continue doing the job, to continue doing the ministry the Lord has uh, sent us to do over there in Latin America. Let me share with you that at this moment uh, in the seminary that you might remember that is uh, totally free uh, of cost for the students. In this moment, we have something about 3,400 students that are learning the world, that are being trained to be future pastors, future deacons, future counselors in uh, several local churches, not just in Colombia, but also the Lord is uh, using that seminary in so many uh, incredible ways that we also support in churches in Spain, in uh, other parts of Europe, and Latin America. And also we are uh, helping some brothers and sisters here in the States. So please continue praying. And I share this with you not to uh, pursue it, like that you keep uh, uh, helping us financially, but so you can also be encouraged how your supporting of the local church is uh, accomplishing something beyond Obil. So thank you for that, and please keep being faithful. So now if you allow me, uh, walk with me, uh, we're going to be uh, on chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians, but please uh, let's uh, pray again for the Lord. Uh, use me. Uh, I'm a sinner man, but... I'm sure the, the grace of God will be with us this morning. So please pray with me. Father, thank you. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for this opportunity to gather together. Thank you for your church. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love for every single saint in this room, for those brothers and sisters who belong to this local church, but for any reason they cannot be here with us this morning. We, we pray for them. Also, Lord, uh, we come before you because we are about to read your, your word. And Lord, it's impossible for any man, especially a man like me, a man who sins, a man that has not the capacity, the qualities to preach your word in, 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 in a way that is worthy of you. So I confess my total incapacity. Uh, also, I am aware of the incapacity of my dear brothers and sisters to understand these truths without the help of your Holy Spirit. So, therefore, we come before you to ask you in Jesus' name so your Holy Spirit allows every single person in this room to understand. So please, Holy Spirit, open eyes. We ask you, we beg you in Jesus' name to open ears, to open hearts, to change uh, every heart that is made of a stone in this morning so they can believe in your, in your name. Also help me. Help to every single word that comes out of my mouth, maybe in an imperfect way, come to the hearts of your dear church in a perfect way. And you receive glory and you receive honor in your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the title that I have for this sermon is A Royal Priesthood, A Royal Priesthood. So when, if you pay attention to the reading of the passage, the first 16 verses on, on the book of Ephesians chapter 4, 
um, you hear the title of the message, a royal priesthood, maybe you can be thinking about, we're going to be speaking about the pastors, we're going to be speaking about uh, how you are supposed to relate with the leaders in the church, but that, that won't be the point. So let me give this uh, little introduction. One person, any person in any single country, in every city, can, can be alive, but what a, that a person be alive, it doesn't mean necessarily that this person is healthy. You can be alive, but you can be sick at the same time. Also, a person uh, can be alive, maybe have a good health, but has some problem that maybe he lost one of the limbs. So uh, it's amazing what a person without any limbs can achieve with the remaining ones. For example, I've been able to witness uh, one, one guy in my country who has no arms, but he learned to use his feet so he can paint. He, he do this, draw these amazing pictures, these amazing paintings using his foot. And that's incredible. So people gather around this guy when he's in somewhere in our city, just painting. But no matter, that, that's the key, no matter how good he becomes to be a painter or, a, or, or drawing or whatever, using his feet, he will never be as good as he could be if he was able to use his arms. He, he's doing something remarkable because he has no arms. But if he is an artist and he will be able to use his hands, he will be doing something much better. So the reason why people is like amazed around this guy is because he has no hands and he's drawing with his feet. In the same way, it's, it's very remarkable, it's, it's fabulous what a church can do without all his limbs. So that's, that's the key of my sermon. One can take a look of any church navigating the turbulent waters of spiritual warfare, of mission, discipleship, and just celebrate what they are achieving, what they are accomplishing without the participation of every single member of that church. But no matter how good that church is doing, no matter how good Grace Church in Nobile is doing, it will never be as good as if every single member belonging to this local church would take part doing his part in the mission. I don't know if that makes any sense to you guys. Because, yeah, we, you, you are doing great, and every single church might be doing something good, something remarkable, something amazing, but for me, the amazing thing is that we are doing, we are uh, advancing the kingdom of God without the participation or without using all single member in the whole body. And the point is that sometimes there are members in our local churches. I, I know this is not the case in, in Grace Obil Church because you, you guys are so holy. You guys are so committed with God. You guys are prayer people. So this is not the case, but this might help you to understand the situation we have in Colombia so you can pray for us. Okay? So I will be speaking from my own perspective. I, I'm not accusing, judging anybody. I know that every single member here is always ready to serve, but in some churches, it happens, some churches, that's not reality. In some churches, they have members that are just members on the paper, but that they are not playing their role in their local church. So uh, today's message is about that specifically, how be a member in the local church is not just a privilege. It's not just something good to do, but also the picture that the Bible uh, presents to us about that is a commandment. That's what every single member, every single saint that has been saved by God's grace is supposed to play a role according to God's plan. And that role is to be played in his local or in her local church. And that's the point of my message. So in our text, we will be seeing God's plan for the growing and maturity of his church and most relevant, what's, plan, what's God's plan for you? I don't know, maybe, maybe some, some of you guys has ever wondered by yourself, what, Lord, what is your plan for me? 
Is there any plan for me? So we have something, sometimes questions about God's plan for our lives when we when come to think about marriage, when comes to think about uh, a career, uh, comes to think about the place we're going to live or something like that. And yes, we, we, we go before the Lord asking for wisdom and guidance on those uh, subjects. But when we are speaking about the local church, it's, it's pretty crystal. When, when we go or talk about what is your role, what is God's plan for you in your local church, we go to the Bible and we will see this uh, very, very crystal. So that's, that's what is going to be happening. So uh, my first point will be this. Uh, every member, every single member of, on the church, in the church, is a priest. So that's what I want you to keep in mind, because this is what we are pointing out during the whole sermon. Every member of the church is a priest. So take a moment to think about what I just said. The brother, the sister sitting in front of you, sitting behind you, sitting next to you, is a priest. So if that's true, what is supposed to imply to our life? So first of all, I, I will try to show you how the Bible established this truth, that every single member in the church is a priest. And that's something that might help you, that might help us to understand why maybe we are not uh, achieving everything we should or we could be achieving for Jesus Christ. Because that's not the way we also see to each other. Sometimes, uh, as, as I say, maybe that's not your case, that's our case in Colombia, People think about pastors in a, in a way that put so many big expectations on the pastors, and we are creating like a, another kind of Christians. Like there is the clerical people in the church who are the pastors and the leaders and the rest of the church, and that's not the picture the Bible is showing us. So uh, we will be back on Ephesians chapter 4, but if you go with me quickly to 1 Peter chapter 2, we will be seeing a few, few books this morning, <clears throat> First Peter chapter 2, uh, we'll be seeing verse 9, you got it? It says here, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So in this verse, Peter, the apostle, uh, led by the Holy Spirit, of course, is establishing something that is just true, that every single Christian belongs, is a, is a royal priesthood. That's what Jesus is doing for us. That's something that we have to understand. So if you are a Christian in this morning, if you really believe in Jesus Christ, you are a royal priest. That's what the Bible says about you. But this is not a random idea that came or showed up for the first time in the New Testament. This is an idea, that's a concept that comes and finds all the way back through the Old Testament. So really quickly, we will go to Exodus chapter 19, where, when we see this idea on God's mouth for the first time is expressed in that way. Exodus chapter 19, verse 6. The, 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 this Bible is in English, so the sheets are so close together because I preach in Spanish usually. So forgive me. Exodus chapter 19, verse 6. Look what it says here, the Lord. Um, Let's read from, from the verse 5. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Think about that. That's the first time that this idea of a royal priesthood, 
royal kingdom. That's what God is saying to Moses to talk to the Israel people, the people of God. He says very crystal, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. This is a promise. But this is a promise that if you pay attention, is speaking about in future tense. You shall be. You will be for me a royal priest, a holy nation, a kingdom. That's why we use the word royal, because it's kingdom idea. So they are not, or people of God are not supposed to be just priests, but priests belonging to a kingdom. It's a kingdom that is formed out of priests. That's what the, the, the Lord is saying to Moses here. So two ideas. First is in future, and second, these words are supposed to, to be a speak to the whole people of Israel. So it's not just for a small people, a, a small part of Israel people. This is a promise for everybody belonging to God's people. That's the first time that we find it that way. But if we move forward to chapter 28 in the same book, we will see something interesting. Chapter 28 of Exodus, Verse 4. Look what it says. The whole chapter is about the priest's garments. In chapter 28, verse 4, look what the, the Bible says. These are the garments that they shall make. A breast piece, an effort, a robe, a coat of checker work, a turban, and a sash. They shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and his son to serve me as priest. So, in chapter 19, God established that every single person among Israel will be priest. But in chapter 28, we see that God is quoting uh, only Aaron and his sons will be priests. So it's a change. Because now not all Israel will be uh, acting or playing a role like priests, but only a few people among Israelites. So the promise is not fulfilled in this situation, in the OT. And even if we go forward in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 6, the promise is here again. Let's, let's read again from verse 5. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and binders. But you shall be called the priest of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. Again, God is speaking, you shall be to, my, to me. You should be called the priest of the Lord. And the Lord is the king. So it's the same idea that we just saw in Exodus chapter 19, that you will be to me a kingdom of priests. So have patience with me because I need to establish this in order that you can understand what Ephesians chapter 4 is looking for us in this morning. So in the OT, the promise is still like in the future, you will be, you will be called, you shall be to me, but it's to everybody, but in the OT, as you already know, or maybe most of you know, not everybody in the people of Israel were serving as priests, just a few people, just a tribe among the old people of Israel. So if we move forward to the New Testament, please go back with me to First Peter, where we were before, but we're going to read chapter 2, but verse 5. Again, First Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Here it says, okay, I lost it, I found it. From verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You, yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So, we move from OT, when 
the promise is given. You shall be, you will be, you will be called priest of God. You will be called or you will be a kingdom of priests. And now we come to First Peter, and in First Peter is saying, not in future, not in past, is saying that we are being built up as spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. So now the, the tense is changing, it's present continuous. It's like, okay, in this moment, we are being built up as a priesthood for God. That's happening. That's our reality. In this single moment, you seated here, you are being built up as a priesthood belonging to God. But in verse 9, like, like we, we read it at the beginning, say, not that we are being built up, but says in verse 9, but you are. So I, I, I don't know if you notice the difference. Because it's present continuous, you are being built up, but in verse 9 is something that is already reality. It's like the idea that is very common about the church in the, in the Bible, the yet, but no yet. So yes, now we are priests to God, we are a royal priest, but at the same time, we are still being built up as royal priests belonging to God. So the both, real, the both situations are our reality. You are being built up as priest, but at the same time, the, the Bible is quoting in the same chapter that you are already a royal priesthood. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And even we go forward to the book of Revelation tracking this this idea of the priesthood and go to chapter 1 of Revelation. I promise we will stay the rest of the sermon in Ephesians chapter 4. Trust me. Revelation chapter 1 verse 6. Got it? Look what it says. Let's read the second part of verse 5. To him who loves us, and he has freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So if you, you can notice the change of the past, of, of the tense, I'm sorry. So in OT is future, you will be. When we are reading Peter, you are being built up, you are, but when we come to Revelation, is you are made. So it's past, it's something that already passed. But there is something very particular in Revelation. So uh, if you go with me to chapter 5 of Revelation, chapter 5, verse 9 and 10, say, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So there is, there is something very unique in the way that the Revelation book is speaking about the priesthood. Because it's quoting something very particular, is that it's not up to us. If you pay attention to the two chapters, first and five, it's Jesus who made us priests. So God say, you will be priests for me in the OT. And Peter said that we are being built up, that we are. But in Revelations, the whole idea is that we are already made priests, but no through our own efforts, not through our own uh, justice, not through our own works, but we are made priests through Jesus' blood. So is Jesus the one who made us priests belonging to God? Is Jesus who made us a kingdom of priests, a holy nation? So this is something that we need to keep in mind because you are not called a priest because you are so good. We are not called priests because we are so holy. We are not called priests because we behave and we are here in the morning of a Sunday instead of being in the beach. No, we are he called priests because Jesus made us priests through his blood on that cross. 
So he's the one who accomplished the promise. He's the one who, who fulfilled the, the purpose of God through his people. It's not up to us. It's up to Jesus Christ. Amen? So with that in mind, let me, I think we have to go and answer two questions that First Peter allows us to have in mind. One is, if the Bible says that we are being built up as priests, how is that happening? And second, if in the same chapter says that we are priests, how does it look? So that's the two questions I want to answer in this morning after establishing that we are called to be priests and that we are already priests because of what Jesus did in our behalf. I don't know if that makes sense to you guys. So let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4, and we will spend the rest of the sermon over there so you can rest. Okay, let's go there. Ephesians chapter 4. So first, let's, let's answer the question, how come is that we are being built up as priests belonging to God? According to the text, first of all, in verse 11, we are being built up as priests belonging to God through the teaching and through the ministry of the pastors and the teachers, leaders in the local church. That's what the Bible says. Go with me. Verse 11, what God has to say to the church in this passage. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that might fill all things, verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So the Bible in chapter 4 of Ephesians is very crystal about how is that we are being built up. That answers the question that might come from Peter. How you are being built up to be a priest of Christ? Well, the answer is through the teaching, through the ministry of the apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. That's something important because we need to understand that everybody in this room, if they belong to Christ, they are priests. But God decided to give to the church. And that's something important because in verse 11 says that he gave the apostle, he gave the prophets, he gave the evangelists, he gave the shepherds, he gave the teachers. That's important because sometimes we believe that God gave a church to the pastors. But that's not what the Bible is implying. What the Bible is implying is that God gave to the church pastors and teachers. So we are gifts to the church. We don't receive a church because God say, okay, uh, I, want to, I want Juan to be a pastor because he used to hate Christians and now he's going to be spending his life being a pastor. But I will give him a church so he can pastor the church. No, the picture that we find in this chapter shows that the pastors and the teachers are a gift from Jesus to the church. So we are given to the church. We, we, we are uh, instruments in, in God's hands for the benefit of the church. The purpose of that is pretty clear in chapter, in verse 12, to equip the saints, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up. So if you pay attention, that's the same idea on First Peter chapter 2. We are being built up as priests. So the idea here in Ephesians chapter 4 is that through the ministry, through the teaching, through, through the discipleship that the pastors and the teachers are carrying on, the whole church, the whole saints are being built up. But that's our ministry, to equip. So the word equip, it seems something that we might think is like, okay, giving you 
the proper tools, giving you all, all the knowledge, all the training, all that you need to fulfill the mission that God has entrusted you. So it's not just so you get more knowledge. Sometimes the idea of teaching in the church, some, sometimes people go to the uh, different disciple courses or different conference or training or, or, or whatever, just to get more knowledge. So they know more about God, they know more about the Bible, they know more about the church, but that doesn't come to be in practice in the middle of the church. So first of all, we are equipped through the ministry of the pastors and teachers. But also in the same, in the same uh, portion, we are being built up by the ministry of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Verse 12, look at verse 12 again. To equip the, saint, the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So according to this verse, who has the responsibility to build up the church? In Matthew chapter 16, it's pretty crystal. Jesus say, I will build up my church. But in a practical way, how Jesus accomplished this task, how Jesus built up his church, according to this verse, the responsibility is not in the pastors. The responsibility is not in the teachers. The responsibility is in every single member of a local church. So pastors are to equip the church. Pastors are here to equip you. Pastors are here to train you. Pastors are here to help you understand the truths of the Bible. Pastors are here to allow you to find out what will be your place in your local church. But the responsibility of, of building up the local church to equipping the saints in front of you, behind you, next to you, belongs to you. So I want you to think a little bit about this. I know this is not something that, I, that, that we like because our, our idea is more like, but we have pastors and we pay them. So build us up. So what, what do you want me from? What do you want from us, Justin? Just to pay you, and that's it. No, do your job. Build me up. Well, Bible says different. The Bible says that Justin, Brandon, the pastor that are working for the church, they are supposed to equip you. But then you are supposed to build up each other. So the the the, the customer idea. The idea of people coming on Sunday just to receive. The idea of coming on Sunday just to be served. I will be sitting here. Please bring me coffee. Bring me a donut. And don't talk to me that much because I'm not in a mood today. That's not just from the Bible. The idea of, Justin, I want to see you working more with people. He should, but that's not what you are supposed to be doing. He is, and the other pastors are here to equip you. But after they equip you, they move the role of a pastor, and they take part with the rest of the flock, and they build up each other. So even the youngest Christian here, and when I say youngest, I'm not talking about age. I'm talking about how long have you been, been in the body of Christ. Even the youngest one, if you go back, we won't. But if you go back to 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter is speaking about those who were just born again. The little ones who still need the, 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 the milk from the, from the mother. The, 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 the basic stuff in the world of God. So we are being built up by the ministry of our fellow brothers. This is a, an, an important idea. You cannot build up yourself. You know what I mean? You cannot be built up by yourself. You can say, okay, I will study. Yes, you will study. But to build, build up in God's plan implies other people. Implies that you have to share the life 
with people in this local church. Implies that you have to share meals. Implies that you have to share uh, 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 going out and you have to talk to other people and you have to be willing to deal with things that we usually don't like to deal. And that means that even that brother that is always annoying because every single church has a brother that is annoying. Every single local church. So don't, don't, don't think about somebody else because you could be the annoying one. <laughs> this is it's funny. When we say the annoying people, yeah, there are. Maybe that's you. It's like parents. When parents are speaking about his children's behavior, who has been gone mad or grown, it's bad influence. What if your child is the bad influence? He might be. That could be a possibility, okay? So... Think about even that brother, that sister that you say, I don't see how he could build me up. He needs to be built up. He won't be, able, he won't be around building up people. That's impossible. He's so immature. Well, the Bible says that maybe through his immaturity, maybe through his annoying uh, being, I don't know if that's a word in English, but being so annoying, he's building you up in patience. He's building you up in mercy. I just spent one week with Justin. I'm more patient now. <laughs> I feel you guys. It was one week. You 365 days in the year. So I deeply love you. But I was built up one way or the other. I was being up, built up through his ministry of being annoying to me. I develop love, mercy, grace, a lot of things. So, you need the ministry of the other saints in the local church. Amen? So, thinking about that, we also need to understand, okay, how this idea of a royal priesthood looks like in everyday life. Because we might be thinking just about Sunday. Or we might be just thinking about a class. But first of all, I think we need to keep in mind what was the role of a priest in the OT. So we won't go there, but it, maybe in your house after the sermon, you can take a look of the first chapters of Leviticus. And you will be seeing all the different offerings, that the sacrifices that the Israel people should bring before the Lord because of their sin or because they were uh, so grateful with the Lord, but especially because of their sin. So when you go and read those passages, usually the image you will find will be something like this. So there is the tent where, where uh, the, the ark of God is placed. The priest will be there just ready to serve the people of Israel. And what a priest usually do, okay? And a sinner, for example, maybe think about Justin. Justin commits sin, and he came to the tent. I don't know why that name came to my mind. But Justin commits sin, and, he, and, and the priest, and in the entrance of the tent, um, the tabernacle, and he says, hey, I, I, I sinned against the Lord. So here, I got my animal. So we walk in. And Justin will be just killing the animal, taking out the parts, the, 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 the liver, everything. But I will be with him the whole way. And I will be taking the parts that he took off. I taking the blood so my hands will be, will be full on blood of the innocent animal. And I will be spreading this blood in the altar. That's what I will be doing. So I will be with him, and I will have to put the animal on the boots to be borne out. So I will be smelling everything, the smoke. I will be uh, dirty with everything that happened because of Justin's sin. So a, a, a priest, the idea of a priest in the OT is not a fancy idea. It's not somebody in a big office sitting, giving orders. It's somebody in the field dealing with the sin of other people in the camp of Israel. That's the idea. And that's precisely what chapter 4 is showing us in this moment. Because we are here with sinners. That we have, that, that's something that we have to keep in mind. So the, the priest 
have to deal with Israel people's sin, but also they have to deal with their own sin. Because you will see sometimes the priests offering sacrifices on their own behalf. Because priests were not men who didn't commit sin. They were as sinners as the rest of the people on Israel. And that's something important to keep in mind. So, what chapter 4 shows us about keeping that image in mind and bringing to the church in, in 2022 in Obil in Texas will be this. First of all, the idea or the picture of a local church is not fancy. So go with me through verse 2 in this chapter so you will understand what I'm trying to say. Uh, let's read from verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Verse 2 gives us a true perspective of a local church because Paul is calling the local church to walk with humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Why? Paul will be saying this to a local church, saying, hey, you have to be patient. You have to bear one another in love. You have to walk with humility and gentleness. And the reason is that we are difficult people. We are annoying people. If you know yourself a little bit, as I know myself, I know that I am very, very difficult. I, I think about my wife. And for me, if we were Catholics, she would be a saint. Because I'm very difficult. I know that in this moment you see me in the pulpit coming from Colombia for one day and you love me. That's easy. But you don't live with me. You don't go home back with me. But my wife, she endures me. And my fellow pastors in the local church, they endure me. And the local church, they endure me. They know, they, they, they struggle with my sins. That's the purpose of this verse Two, that we need patience. Why? Because the guy sitting next to you, because the lady sitting behind you, because the family sitting in front of you, they are difficult. They will commit sin against you. Sometimes they won't answer back in a proper way. Sometimes they will uh, be there to support you when maybe you need it the most. So sometimes they have different politics and, and health and any kind of per perspective. Sometimes they are uh, fans of a different thing that you are following. There can be such a difference in the middle of the local church. So we need to be patient with one to another. To, this is what it says here, to bearing with one another in love. So let me put this very crystal. There is no one in this bedroom that is better than the other one. Every single person in this room is a sinner, starting with me. So it's not a fancy picture. So we have to understand that. Second, we are acting, uh, keeping that in mind, now we go um, and be a, a priest, maintaining the unity of God's people. So how do you develop your role? First of all, you work as hard as possible. You do everything that is in your own hands. You do everything that you can to maintain the unity in the local church. That's verse number three. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So the unity starts with unity in doctrine, that's why I say one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one hope. But also this unity implies, because of the verse prior to that, that we maintain the unity in the difference that are not related to doctrine as well. You maintain the unity. That doesn't mean that everybody has to have the same opinion, but even though we can differ in opinions, 
we won't be walking away from one brother or one sister. We will keep loving each other. We'll maintain the unity of Grace Church in Nobile. You have that task coming from the Lord. You cannot participate in gossiping. You are not to be talking, whispering against somebody else in the church just because he decides not to eat this or not to wear that. You are supposed to take care and maintain the unity because that's a role the Lord has entrusted to you. Amen? Also, not leaving anyone behind. Look what verse 13 speaks about. Verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. So nobody should be left behind. So sometimes it's easy, especially if you are growing in Christ, especially if you are maturing fast in Christ, to think about this brother or this sister who used to struggle with the same team. This is the brother who... Sunday after Sunday, a small group or connection group or life group after life group, looks like being struggling with the same issue. So the, the temptation here is like, you know what, maybe you are not Christian at all. Look for another church. Find another life group. I don't want to be with this guy anymore. You go to the pastor. Hey, this guy is always with the same team. But is he repenting? I can see he's battling, but I'm tired of his in maturity in Christ. So the idea is that priests in the local church, they fight for each other, not against each other. That makes sense? Nobody is leaving behind. Verse 15, speaking the truth in love. So as priests, we are to speak the truth. We are to talk the truth. We are to teach the doctrine. So we are to to tell to. Uh, teach other people to act and to correct, and, and we are to do exhortation. But we have to do it in love. That's what the Bible says. Because it's easy to come an other person and just be judging. That you are the worst Christian ever. You are like Judah. If Christ will be here, you will be the Judah. And you, we can be so harsh on people, and you call yourself a Christian. And there are times when we have to be strong. But usually, we are not strong in situations like that. And we are supposed to act with grace. Why? Because you need that grace as well. We need it. So we have to do it. And verse 17, 16, that is the main point here. Doing the work that the Lord has assigned us in a particular way. So this is what, what will be the focus uh, finishing in my sermon. If you read the verse 16, look, oh, let, let's, let's, let's read from the 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So pay attention. When each part is working properly, when each part, each part means every single member of the local church. So you have a part to play in this local church. If you are a member, there is one gift that God has put in you to serve this local church. So the idea of the pastors are the ones who do the job and just sitting from the, from the behind, watching, the, watching them work through the whole church, doesn't come from the Bible. They are to equip us. They are to equip you. If you, you talk about you guys, but you have a role to play. Not everybody will be singing. Not everybody will be playing the guitar. Not everybody will be play, uh, teaching in a classroom. Not everybody will be doing the reach out of the lost ones. Not everybody will go on mission to Venezuela. Not everybody will be doing the things that we usually see as ministry, but you have a gift. If you go to Romans chapter 12, you will see that even hugging might be a gift from God. You can be the hugger. My wife is a hugger. 
She stands right in the door and she hugs people. I don't know how she do it. Sometimes I go like, ah. I don't know how to hug people that well. But she is a hugger. That's a gift. I've heard story after story of people telling, I came to the church so depressed and your wife hugged me and I felt so loved. That's a gift. That's a gift, my friend. You, you have gifts given by God, not for your own glory, but to be played in the local church. So go to the Bible and you will find different gifts. Sometimes you are an encourager. People who say, hey, are you wearing new clothes? You look so good today. Might be the ugliest guy in the church, but he will feel good. Because you say it in love and because you really thought about it. So that's the, the, in Romans chapter 12, says like you, sometimes you are the guy who encourages people. Sometimes people doesn't get it, but you say, I, I love the way you read the Bible today. Use such a good tone, I understood. You encourage people. Sometimes you can be generous. Romans chapter 12 say it. If you can be generous, be generous. If you can help people, help people. But my, my point here is that Paul is crystally saying the church of Christ is built up when every part do his part. When every part play his role. So I want to encourage you to finish. Play your role. For those here who are just watching the movie, for those sitting here who are just judging whatever was going wrong, please stand up and do it. For those who are just, uh, I think I'm not a preacher. Yes, you might not be a preacher, but you are part of Christ's body. And if you are part of Christ's body, you have something unique to bring to this local church. So please do not restrain. Please do not stay behind because this church is doing good. But if you take your part, we'll be doing much better. It will never do us good if you get involved because you are not here for casualty. If you are a member of this church, Jesus had a purpose with you here. You have a role to play. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment from the Bible. You are a priest. So please, get involved, get engaged. Don't trust, don't put your trust and the advancing of this church in a bunch of men that we call pastors because the Bible called them pastors. They are to equip, equip us, but they are not Christ. They are not Christ. They are not the whole body. They need you to achieve the goal. Amen? Amen. The church needs you. Jesus has put you here. So let's work together for his glory. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, thank you. Uh, and, and I come before you in humbleness because I, I acknowledge my own weakness. Lord, I, I don't know all these saints, but you do. I don't know the gift you have put in every single one of them, but you do. And I'm pretty sure they know as well. So I ask you in Jesus' name for every single one, especially those who might be thinking this morning that they don't have anything to give to this local church. So they can see these truths and they see themselves, as you call them, a royal priesthood. So they can start equipping, building up the church. In, in a way that this church, Grace Church in Nobile, fulfill the task that you have entrusted them. I pray for every single saint here that is not taking part so they can understand that the church is suffering, that they develop love for each other, that they develop gratitude for the pastors and teachers, but that they come to understand that their role is to equip, not do the whole thing. I ask you that in Jesus' name. Amen.